The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. But you don't know why I'm here. Hey! Hey! Oh, it's okay! Alright! It's Sting! Okay! It's, it's Sting! This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. CW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast for all the good and the daft that WCW put out from the years 1995 right through to it closed in 2001. My name is Sai and joining me as always is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing really well, thank you, Sai. How's yourself? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Looking forward to... uh, discussing this episode of nitro with you and obviously your new favorite wrestler the booty 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 man oh boy we're in for uh, we're in for a uh, struggle here aren't we <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode of monday nitro comes from winston-salem it was first broadcast on monday march the 11th 1996 and it won in the ratings war nitro picked up a 3.2 in comparison to a monday night Raw's 2.9 to put into context what was going on on the other channel at the time on Nitro, we had the British Bulldog defeating Jake Roberts by Countout after a few minutes, Goldust beating Fatu after a few minutes, Diesel beating Barry Horowitz in a, a literal squash, and your main event was Bret Hart defeating Tatanka in a little over eight minutes. So you can kind of see why people were sticking around on Nitro a little bit more potentially, Danny, can't you? You can, certainly. I mean, those matches sound like um, they're taped for superstars, not the main show. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Uh, Our show begins, as it always tends to do, with our commentary trio of Eric Bischoff, Mongo McMichael, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And we're getting told that we have a new TV champion. But more about that later on, apparently. And we're also getting told we're going to see the Road Warriors taking on the Nasty Boys. I mean, is this 1991? I'm not sure. And their six-man lumberjack strap match is the main event. Now, I have never even heard of a six-man lumberjack strap match before. So that's going to be quite intriguing to me. Yeah, same. I mean, they really heavily hyped that, didn't they? It felt really important. Mm, Yeah, well, I suppose the names that are involved in that six-man lumberjack strap match are all involved in the main event of the pay-per-view coming up. Uh, and they are, you know, big, 
big names, I guess. You've got Savage, you've got Hogan, you've got Flair, you've got Arn Anderson in there. You know, there's a lot of guys there who I suppose warrant building up if you've got them on your roster, I guess, Danny. But you also have the booty man. <laughs> well, yeah, I was purposely leaving his name out to try not upset you, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Our opening contest sees Hacksaw Jim Duggan taking on the Giant from the Dungeon of Doom. The match starts with the Giant doing his best Conan impression and turning his back on his opponent, which just still baffles the crap out of me. And Duggan jumps in from behind, throws a few punches, a few forearms, etc., which the Giant absolutely no-sells. And to me, that looked, that looked pretty spectacular because it's not the Giant no selling for a cruiserweight this i mean duggan's a big old guy and he's he's landing these huge punches and forearms that always look you know pretty half decent to me and the giant just looks at him i thought that was really impressive definitely agreed i mean um they mentioned that hacksaw duggan was six four so he's definitely a big boy he is he is a massive fella yes uh but, but again i suppose a show of power and size by the giant because the match eventually ends up on the outside and duggan jumps off the ring apron I, I guess going for some form of double axe handle or something and the giant just catches him just plucks him out of the air and again danny as you said he's six four odd he must be pushing 270 280 pounds he is a massive man and the giant just catches him like again he's a cruiserweight it's crazy isn't it it really is. And um, I found this whole match, um, I mean, we'll, we'll get into what the main part of it in a minute, but I found that this was a sort of like a, a rebuilding of the Giants because he'd kind of been made to look like a kind of weak in a couple of uh, weeks before this. But this, um, he definitely looked like a monster in this. He did. He did. He looked very powerful, very strong and well, dominating, I suppose, would be the term that you could potentially use. But I, I also think this match was put on... I mean, it's obvious to me when you get someone of the Giants stature in the company taking on someone like a Jim Duggan, who we haven't seen on Nitro for quite a few weeks and so on, that it's obvious that the Giant's going to go over it. He has to. He's heading into this big pay-per-view match with Hogan and the siding with the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the outcome was never really in doubt for me. But what I did not expect at all was when the Giant applies a bear hug on the outside... We get a little bit of commotion, Danny, don't we? Do you want to talk us through that? Yep, we certainly do. We get um, Eric Bischoff kind of uh, making it look like it, this was unplanned by uh, saying, what's that in the crowd? What's that in the crowd? It looks like there's almost a fight breaking out in the crowd. Mm. But one thing I noticed before that was there were signs saying, call Brian with a phone number, and the cameras would cut to them, but then very quickly cut away. And I found that was excellent. Um that was just really good camera work because it made it look like, oh, those fans are doing that on their own. And then we get Mr. Pillman showing up, who we haven't seen in a good month, haven't we, sir? Yeah, and he's he's got the crazy eyes and the crazy hair and, again, the crazy attitude, I suppose. Just adding to this loose cannon gimmick, Eric Bischoff is shouting he shouldn't be here. Bischoff tries to get down to ringside himself whilst he's supposed to be providing commentary. And, again, it's all that... That blurring of the lines, making it seem like making it seem like it's a real thing happening in front of you. You know, okay, so what's happening in the ring we know is predetermined, but what's happening outside the ring there with Pillman, that's real. That's not meant to happen. Now you put that into comparison with what was going on on the other channel when you had Bret Hart beating up an Indian and, you know, gold dust wrestling Fatu and so on, uh, or, or diesel wrestling Fatu or so on. It, this is where 
I would be watching on a Monday night at this stage because what the WWF were offering, a little bit cartoony, a little bit maybe for, for the kids, this feels more grown up, more edgy, more like anything can actually happen at any time. It really does. And Eric, uh, props to Eric Bischoff as well, who, uh, as you said, just ran down there like his life depended on it. He was just trying to find out what was going on, um, trying to take control of the situation. And it, yeah, it definitely felt more realistic. And I actually was surprised because I thought we'd seen the last of Brian Pillman. I thought he'd actually left and this was the time period he went to WWF, but I was wrong. No, I, I thought the same, mate. I thought the same. I, I know he was effectively a free agent for a little while. And he turned up in ECW and all this sort of stuff to build up the hype. I know there wasn't a, a direct situation of leaving WCW, signing for WWF, but I wasn't aware of these moments that we're seeing now. And it just, uh, again, we're watching wrestling now from what, what are we on 26, 27 years ago, or however, however long ago it may well be, maybe even longer. I don't know, but it's, it feels fresh to me because I'm seeing stuff that I wasn't aware happened, or at least I forgot happened anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. The the match does continue, however. We go back to the bear hug again. And, I mean, Duggan, again, massive fella, made to look very, very small in that move. But Duggan, when he finally breaks away from the bear hug, he's obsessed with getting this tape, isn't he? This this athletic tape wrapped around his hand to use a, use a taped fist. Uh, when he can't use that, he's trying to get tape from the outside to, that holds the crash mats down, which I've not seen before, so that was quite unique. Uh, Duggan does punch the giant down at one stage with this before Jimmy Hart interferes, distracts Duggan, and then we see the choke slam and the inevitable happens. The, the giant picks up the three count. How did you find this match in general, then, Danny? I it was hard. I loved the uh, beginning of it, but after that, Brian Pillman uh, run in. I found it very hard to get back into until the Hacksaw Jim Duggan ripping up the tape off of the floor, which, as you said, is very unique. And I've never, ever seen that before. I'm shocked that has not been copied. Um, yeah, I found it a bit hard to get into after the the um, the Brian Pillman uh, peak. But I did enjoy that chokeslam by the Giant as well. That looked impressive. Mm, yeah, definitely. The Giant here... Obviously, we know what happens in his career. He goes on and he picks up numerous injuries. And I think he was, a, a, I think he was a victim of bad booking in WWF for a long time. He was overexposed. You know, kept changing from heel to face and so on. Here, the giant, he's much trimmer than what we're used to. He's got the long hair, and I think that he, if he could have stayed in this kind of guise and not been on TV every week, used like very much a special attraction. He could have potentially have been, and pardon the pun, the, the biggest, the biggest thing in wrestling. I think he could have been that good. Yeah, definitely. He's certainly had the look. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, our next match is supposed to be the Nasty Boys versus the Road Warriors. Again, a throwback to you know 1919, 1991, all that sort of time. However, the Nasty Boys were told have been took out backstage. We then hear a bit of noise. And it's Rick and Scott Steiner rolling to the ring on motorbikes for some reason. I'm not 100% sure why they're rolling to the ring on motorbikes. I don't know. Maybe mocking the Legion of Doom. I'm, I'm not really sure. But Scott Steiner looks huge here. He has gone. I mean, he was always in great shape and always uh, always a big guy. But you can start now you know, to notice the muscle mass piling on as he approaches where we know he will go with his character, Danny. It really does. He looked absolutely giant. Um, 
had them coming out on the motorbikes. That, actually, that was a great point you made. Maybe they were mocking the Legion of Doom because uh, they came out to motorbikes. Um, but yeah, this this entrance was really cool to me. I really enjoyed um, seeing the Standard Brothers, and this is their re-debut to WCW, isn't it? Yeah, they've been gone for a while, haven't they? I think they were working out in Japan potentially. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, they wouldn't have been taken. I don't know. There was a time in the mid nineties when they did take a couple of dates of ECW as well. So I suppose that could potentially coincide with this absence. I'd have to look yeah. into it, but yeah, I mean, th- this is them coming back for the first time in, in quite a little while. So it's, it's, it's good to see the Steiners. I'm a big fan of that tag team, especially Scott. I'm a big Scott Steiner fan. Uh, the, the biggest note I've got from, from this match, the road warriors versus the Steiners is it's just a match where guys are just trying to show who's the most powerful to me. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. It was like power move after power move, but the crowd was really into it, and I really enjoyed every time Scott Steiner would hit a move, the crowd would just pop. I really, I found that really entertaining. And, um, yeah, it was just a, a Hoss match, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think I think Scott Steiner could have been in this era and maybe a couple of years beforehand. He could have been the main guy. I think he had the look. I think he had the move set, and that big, powerful style of his would have worked in the early nineties as a babyface wrestler. And obviously, you know, people know the story about how when the Steiners came into the WWF, the plan was for well, one discussion anyway was for Scott to be a, an entrant into the ninety-three Rumble and win it, and go on to WrestleMania nine and potentially win the championship there. But he said no because he didn't want to leave his brother. He wanted to carry on tag teaming with, with his with his brother Rick, which is you know great on his part. But he maybe look back career wise and think I could have done a bit more with what I had because when Steiner does uh, eventually go into more of a singles role, changes his gimmick again, looks an absolute star. He then starts picking up these injuries. He has the drop foot issue, and it, it, he's not quite the same performer as he was in this era and a few years previous. So maybe a little bit of a, a missed opportunity, Danny? Oh, big time. I would have loved a Yokozuna, uh, Scott Steiner match at WrestleMania, or even a Bret Hart, Scott Steiner match at WrestleMania. It all would have been cool. Mm. Imagine Scott trying to suplex Yokozuna all over the place. But yeah, the, the Scott Steiner, Bret Hart match would have been my, my preference, to be fair. But yeah, it would have been very interesting. I mean, this is all just, you know, stories and he said she said sort of stuff but i like to think that in an alternative timeline somewhere scott steiner won the belt at wrestlemania 9 hogan didn't turn up to rescue anybody and we all moved on with our lives but there we go we have <laughs> what we have <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> uh we get a clothesline from the top rope at one stage from hawk which looked very stiff and very brutal and as this is going on when i told lex luger will not be at uncensored or at least he won't be in the match uncensored some contractual situation has occurred jimmy hart has done something apparently bischoff's very vague with his descriptions or, or explanations here and basically saying lugo will not be involved in the chicago street fight so it's the road warriors versus sting and a partner of his choosing if he can find one so again it kind of adds another layer to that thing we've been talking about with sting and lugo because it very much lugo's mouth got them into this situation of having to face the road warriors in a street fight and now lugo's not even going to compete Danny. I was shocked when I heard that announcement. It was like, wow. Like, but it's very um, good placing to put it in the World Warriors match. It was like, wow. So 
Lex Luger's doing uh, all this talking and now he's not even going to back up, leaving poor Sting, who's not even on this show, um, to try and find a partner. And I guess we'll just have to wait to see who that partner is. Mm, indeed, indeed. Uh, a few more sort of highlights from the match for me personally. Uh, Animal hits one of his huge power slams, followed up with a really sort of uh, stabby, sharp drop kick into the chest. And then a massive, you know, not, not a top rope elbow by any stretch of the imagination, but he came down crashing onto his opponent there. Rick Steiner hits a belly-to-belly suplex from the middle rope, which looks impressive, which was then followed up by Scott Steiner delivering a belly-to-belly overhead suplex on the same opponent, which, again, looked amazing. We're then given by the commentary team a rundown of some of the matches on the Uncensored card, which I'm sure we'll get to this week and next at some point. The Uncensored main event is going to be four cages, Bobby Heenan tells us, so that's intriguing, I guess. The Doomsday device is eventually hit on Rick Steiner, but the pin is broken up. Everyone goes over the top rope at one point. There's chaos. There's a Frankensteiner on Animal. Uh, The Bulldog finisher the Steiners did off the top rope was hit as well. And then Animal ends up with the, the, the forearm pad, I believe it is, that they used in a previous week for a victory. Uh, hits Rick Steiner with it, and the Legion of Doom, or the Road Warriors as they are here, pick up the win. Absolute chaos. Plenty of opportunity for disqualifications and so on because the rules have been blatantly ignored. Four guys in the ring, pretty much the whole match. It's just a bit of a mess, but yeah, I still quite enjoyed it, Danny. It was a really good way to get the Steiners back in because it was showing that oh they're not they're not taking it easy on anyone they're get, they're getting right into the mix of things. Um, one my favorite uh, part of this match was when Mongo says uh, uh, regarding the Steiners, I've watched these the Steiners since I was a youngster. When Mongo is actually older than both of the Steiners, <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, really good match and. Um, very very physical and i'm excited to see where this uh leads up to yeah and of course we've also got the the sort of secondary question i guess hanging around in the background of what happened to the nasty boys they've got to yeah. address that at some point as well i guess uh, the steiners do have a little chat with mean gene in the ring and it's basically the steiners just ranting and shouting saying that they want the road warriors again and so on which you'd expect because they've just been beaten by, you know, animal cheating effectively, which is, uh, again, an, an odd one considering they're supposed to be these almighty powerful baby faces, but it adds more intrigue, I guess. You've got a lot going on in the tag division, haven't we? We have. And uh, did you notice when Scott Steiner, uh, at the end of his promo, he's actually getting booed when he uh, criticized um, the LOD for cheating? Yeah, there was a few. There was a few boos. Yeah. I suppose when you're as popular as the Road Warriors, you can pretty much do as you please, I guess. <laughs> True. But um, <laughs> And being that this is the Steiners' first uh, time on television in WSW in years, I think uh, the fans may have been more interest- invested in um, the LOD. Yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially. Our next contest sees the always pretty exciting to be fair alex wright come to the ring with his awful sort of techno dance effort it's it's horrific crap and he is facing the newly crowned television champion lex luger so there'll be a background here johnny b bad is gone he has left the company johnny b bad cannot handle where the big boys play Eric Bischoff states, but what actually happened was there was a big discussion which led to an argument over creative 
and we had the whole issues with Kimberly, Darren Dallas Page, Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad wasn't happy with the continuing storyline with Kimberly. He had actually already lost the TV title to Lex Luger at a house show in February and then won it back the next day, which was never mentioned on television. But he then lost the title again on the 9th of March episode of Saturday Night when Diamond Dallas Page delivered a diamond cutter to Johnny B. Bad to interfere. Luger won the title and Bad left the company there and then. He said he strongly objected to the ongoing angle involving somebody else's wife. It wasn't for him and he left. I think he probably also had a big money offer on the table from the WWF and was maybe looking to get out. But yeah, that was it. So that's the last we'll ever see of, of Johnny B. Bad, Danny. Wow, I'm I'm absolutely shocked by that. I'm sure we were going to get another DDP uh, Mark Miro match. <laughs> How will they open pay per views from now on? <laughs> <laughs> that was their go to since we started this project. Yeah, it's it's going to be a big loss to the roster. It really is. And mm. um, but I'm excited to see Lex Luger with even more gold now because his ego will get certainly get a lot bigger. Oh, he looks so proud of himself, doesn't he? Coming out, carrying the tag title and the TV title above his head, you know, jumping around that big toothy grin, that mullet flowing behind him. Oh, he looks really happy, mate. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Uh, Before we get into a little bit of what goes on in the match, and to be fair, there's not masses, we have an advert for the WCW hotline. Now, this is the first one of its kind I've seen. Normally, it's just me and Gene saying bad stuff on television to try and get people to part with their $5 a minute or whatever it is over nonsense information and saying, I can't talk about it here, but listen to me on the hotline. Ask your parents' permission first, etc. But this is quite cool. I enjoyed this because it's me and Gene spying on the wrestlers in various places. He, at one point, he comes out of a swimming pool holding the microphone whilst the wrestler is having a swim. We see Sting eating dinner with somebody. And uh, Gene and Bobby Heenan are under the table with a microphone. I think this was really cleverly done, Danny. This really was. Um, I felt it was kind of a dig at the dirt sheets and things like that. It was like, oh, the, where are they getting their information? And um, I found found it very, very funny and really entertaining. Mm, it was. It was very good. It was very good. The match itself, it, it's kind of, I suppose, kind of predictable. But at the same time, it was still enjoyable. Alex Wright, I'm quite a fan of. I think this guy, the only thing the only thing I wish for Alex Wright is that he had a personality because I think he would have been more, he would have done more in his career potentially than what we're seeing at the moment. But Alex Wright, obviously, has got this incredible drop kick that he throws a great deal. And we see one off the top rope here as well. He's got this aerial ability for a guy his size that is, is quite interesting. But the majority of the match is, and again, it makes perfect sense, I suppose, when you think of the story side of it. The majority of the match is Luger overpowering Alex Wright because he is the bigger, stronger man. Eventually, again, we get Jimmy Hart interfering and and Luger wins, but then Luger acts cross that Hart was there. And he's saying, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be here. So more subtleties, more layers to this whole Lex Luger character, the Sting partnership, and so on. I mean, from my standpoint, the Luger-Sting situation is, is brilliant. And Lex Luger gets a lot of grief from a lot of people we know. Luger here in 96, he is bloody brilliant in this role. He really is. And um, it just has me questioning after having that finish, it was like Lex Luger is upset or is he? Because we don't know. That's what keeps us watching, size. Where, where, Where's Lex Luger going to go next? Well, this is it. He's, 
He's acting upset that Jimmy Hart's interfered in his match. He's won the uh, the TV title. He's really proud of his tag team championship. But at the same time, whilst all this is going on, he he's got himself, or Jimmy Hart effectively, has got him out of the tag team title defense. So on one hand, you're looking at it and you're thinking, uh, Lex is acting quite good guy-esque, I suppose. He's acting a baby face in certain aspects. And then you've got this, you know, this big, you know, Claxon goes off. No, he's not taking part in the tag match that he got his him and his opponent into. So you really do sort of sit there and think, well, where's his head at? What's going on? And Sting is just being, well, well Sting's being typical gullible Sting, took for a ride. But now Sting is starting to argue with Luger about the situation that, that with certain aspects. It's just really fascinating. And to me, again, I know we seem to say it every week at the moment. It's just brilliant storytelling. It really is, mate. Really is. Yes, indeed. Uh, that, I suppose, very quickly takes us to our main event, Danny. Now, yes. this, this um, is... I, I don't quite know how to explain this. We have the one team of our world champion, Ric Flair, the taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, and the always amazing, Arn Anderson. And they're facing Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and Danny's personal favorite, the Booty Man. In a six-man tag, but you don't have to tag in and out. It's a strap match, and through the show, we're told that the wrestlers will be strapped to each other. They are not. There's a lumberjack match as well, so we have wrestlers on the outside in lumberjack shirts. They're all holding straps, and I guess where they ran out of straps, some of them just used their belts. I'm guessing they didn't have enough straps for the lumberjacks. I don't know. It's absolute chaos right from the moment everyone comes out to the ring. Then we have the giant fighting with Loch Ness who are both members of the Dungeon of Doom, they just decide they're going to start hitting each other for some reason. Then all the Lumberjacks start fighting each other. It's just it's just bedlam and chaos, and you don't really know what's going on all the way through. I mean, talk us through your your perception of this match, Danny, and how you took in our, our pretty crazy main event. You've summed it up perfectly there, so chaos. Um, one thing, I, I, there's a lot of things I loved about this match, but I'd say... The best thing was probably William Regal because he stole the show in every time he was in camera shot, his facials or him just waiting until somebody turned around and then hitting him in the back with the strap uh, made me laugh because it is so in character. Um, yeah, this entire match was, I, I just found it hilariously chaotic. Um, that's the best way I can, I can uh, describe it. But um yeah, I've, I was excited to see Loch Ness and the Giant also brawling as well because it's adding to that story as well. Um, yeah, yeah, all around, all around, I would give this um, a, a high praise. This match, yeah, it it was it, it was if it, I suppose in a way, it did nothing that it was supposed to because it wasn't a strap match. It wasn't any way a six man tag because everyone was in the ring at the same time. The Lumberjacks were more interested in scrapping with each other than anything else. Then Kimberly walks out again, carrying some flowers. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on there. Flair at one point manages to escape and runs off, which the Lumberjacks are supposed to not let happen. That's the whole purpose of a Lumberjack match. But again, because WCW, I guess, Flair escapes. Animal goes and picks him up, brings him back. We then obviously get the standard big boot leg drop. Hogan wins, you know, hooray for Hulk Hogan nonsense. But then there's even more chaos, more fighting, 
uh, and we get the heels in the ring after the match, just ranting about what's going to happen at Uncensored. You know, it's not just going to be a few of us. We've got more coming. We're going to end Hulkamania. And then it just goes off the air. It's just bedlam. It's just insane. But at the same time, I bloody loved it. You couldn't look away. That's how I felt. I mean, they even had the split screen at one point. It was like, wow, just like everyone just, just bedlam is a great word. So um, the thing I, I was upset about is um, when Kim came out. Yes, apart from <laughs> it does involve him actually. When Kimberly came out, it was strongly and sadly alluded to that she may be there to see the booty man. So we may get, be getting a partnership. So I, I hope not. Oh man, Kimberly could do so much better than the booty man, couldn't she? I mean, she's a great, she's a great looking lass. She obviously coaches or manages or acts as a valet to people who win titles with Paige and. And uh, Johnny B. Bard, don't go alongside the booty man, Kimberly. Come on, have a word with yourself, love. I've I've got a scary um, theory here, Si. Okay. Is, was the booty man turned face because Mark Miro, Johnny B. Bard, left the company? Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, I don't know if the timeline would exactly sync up, but at the same time, I suppose Johnny B. Bad maybe would have start been, been having those creative conversations, you know, butting heads about creative, so to speak. So perhaps it was that idea to do that. But at the same time, he's turned from the Zodiac to the booty man. Oh God, what a ridiculous sentence that is. He's turned from the Zodiac to the booty man and gone straight into the main event picture. But then I so, so on one hand I'm thinking okay no because he's gone into the main event picture but then you're you're bringing that point forward because Kimberly is the one showing interest in him which would give him a reason to drop out the main event picture eventually I suppose yeah I don't know I don't know it's very possible I think it's very possible I suppose they need they need someone to be uh, I, I suppose they need something for Diamond Dallas Page to do. If, if Johnny B. Bad has left and the story was for him to continue, you know, feuding with Johnny B. Bad, they need something for Paige to do. But then the TV title is no longer with Paige anyway. That's now with Luger. So has that now been removed from that whole aspect as well? I don't know. There's a lot of questions to answer there, mate. There is. And um, I was just thinking, just they don't want Kimberly to get off television. So, I mean, they have to put her with a popular baby face and of all people, the booty man. I mean, there's a roster full. I mean, you saw that most of them out there tonight. There's a roster full of people they could put her with, but the booty man. Yes. Mm. <laughs> yes. Oh dear me. Oh. Uh, that is the end of that episode of Nitro. We flew through that, Danny, didn't we? The same as watching it. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the show. There's a lot going on and it went so, so quickly. Uh, we need to give our ratings, of course, our plus points and our bad points and whether we think this is a hit, miss or middle. So, Danny, do you want to go first or second this week, my friend? I'll go second this week, sir. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Okay, no probs. I will begin with my, oh, brother, my bad point. And I'm just going to say the booty man because... He doesn't fit in, and it really kind of hammered home to me how much he doesn't quite fit in here in the promos after the main event. Because Arn Anderson, I mean, Sullivan is ranting his usual nonsense 
Flair is acting crazy, shouting, jumping all over the place, and all, all that's going on. But when Arn Anderson takes the mic, everything gets very serious and, and very believable. And Arn starts talking about he's coming for Hogan, he's coming for Savage, and then he makes a reference to Big Brother Booty. And even Arn Anderson couldn't make me think that this guy fits in here. It was such a jarring uh, couple of words or jarring line in that promo because the rest of the promo, fantastic, typical Arn Anderson, very believable. And then that one comment thrown in there just completely took me out of, of believing what was going on because the booty man just doesn't seem to fit in. Even with the ridiculousness of Hogan and Savage, the booty man just seems one step too far for me. So yeah, my uh, my old brother this week is is the booty man and just not not ticking the boxes, mate. Yourself? It's very similar, um, but it's not the booty man in particular, but it's uh, the booking of uh, Kimberly with the booty man. So I was very disappointed with that because when she came out last week, we, there was question, there was mystery why she was there. Who? Maybe she was there for Ric Flair. Maybe she was there for another horseman. But no, she's chosen the booty man, the, the loser of all the, this this team. <laughs> so, yeah, mine would be Kimberly choosing the booty man or it being strongly alluded to. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, your woo then, something positive, Danny. Oh, sorry, you were going second, weren't you? Sorry, apologies. Uh, my woo this week then is the Steiner Brothers. Just looking awesome. I got, I love watching, especially Scott. I love watching Scott Steiner just chuck blokes around for a few minutes. It's fantastic. So the Steiner's just looking as awesome as they did, my friend. Absolutely. Like you said earlier, Scott Steiner just looked just giant here. Mm. Um, my woo this week would definitely be the Brian Pillman um, angle and how it was uh, pulled off with Eric Bischoff, making it seem more realistic than it was. Um, yes, it took me out of the Hacksaw Duggan, the giant match, but um, it definitely was a moment I'll remember and I will go back and watch this. Yeah, that's a great shout. That almost made it to mine as well. Almost. But I just think that the Steiners, I'm such a big Scott Steiner fan. I couldn't sort of deviate my mind from that, I think. Uh, hit, miss or middle in there, my friend? I'm going high hit this week, Sai, because this just flew by. Mm. I agree. I agree. This was a great show. This was a great episode of Nitro. Entertaining from the very beginning, right the way through. So much stuff going on, but yet so many questions unanswered. I can't wait to watch next week to see where we go next. And that's the whole purpose of a wrestling TV show to me trying to hook in view to entertain you firstly to hook in viewers to make you come back next week. So yeah, big, big hit for me as well, Danny. So then, so then all is left now for us to do this week on Nitro nights is to give out our social medias, our contact details, uh, Danny, where people can listen to you, despite your knowledge as the wrestling encyclopedia on all sorts of subjects, mate, all the shows and so on you were involved in. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters, where we have our second episode by the time you hear this. Um, and you can hear me here next week, where hopefully the booty man won't be on Nitro with the great side pal. I think you're hoping against hope there, my friend. I think the booty man's in to stay for a short period at least. But there we go. Yes, back when with you and Tyler Peters. Really, really enjoyed episode one. Looking at back when the WWF promoted the first SummerSlam. Uh, Episode two, back when Quiet Riot released the album 
Metal Health. Really looking forward to hearing you two discuss a record that I knew the hits from, but the uh, the rest of the album, I was on, I, I don't think I'd ever listened to it before. So I checked it out, knowing it was your subject matter coming up on the next show. Love that album. Can't wait to hear you and Tyler's thoughts about that. That will be out on the SJP World Media main feed this week. So keep your eyes out. Well, keep your ears out, I suppose, for that one. Uh, you can find me online at SJP World Media. Well, that's the tag for the network. And that's where you can find all the content I'm involved in and so, so much more stuff that you know covers modern day WWE with RSH and in the corner. We have the Nothingness show with Benny Mac as well. The Waiting Room coming back as well. All previous episodes of The Waiting Room have now been uploaded to the SJP World Media feeds so you can re-listen to those as quantum leap comes back very soon and our show our waiting room podcast looking at quantum leap also returns very soon as well the doctor who pod there's so much going on chain wrestling live on a monday night fast approaching episode 100 so much going on at sjp world media on facebook and twitter but most importantly you can follow this show on facebook and twitter as well at nitro underscore nights that's at nitro underscore nights Danny, looking forward to next week, bud. And the booty, 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 man. Me too, sir. See you next week. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.